0: There's a lot of confusion about what the church does. You know, you hear the, the typical statements. You know, you're you're bigots, you're Jesus freaks. You know, you're hateful people. Uh, you don't do anything well. You know, you're always meddling in businesses that you shouldn't be involved in. And you hear all the negative all the time. But not much is spent on the legitimate works of the church and what we're actually tasked with doing and what we actually try to showcase and do. So what would you do if someone asks, what are the works of the church?
1: Um, years ago, I had one of my elders who uh, would often talk about the works of the church, and, and he liked to put it this way. You know, We often talk about the works of the church are benevolence mm-hmm. and edification or building up encouragement, and that's kind of within, and then evangelism. But that, That's how we separate the three works of the church. and We'll get more into them in a moment, but he would say, But really it's evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, the reason that we do good works, we we need to help somebody that might have a need physically. We do so because we also want the opportunity to be able to teach them spiritually Mm -hmm. and and to to help them in that way, you know. And we we build up in the body of Christ. Why? So that we can go out and teach others. So it really comes down to evangelism. Right. uh, the saving of souls. That's that's the work of the church is Salvation of mankind. That's the purpose. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But we do these other works uh, in the Lord's body. And it's, uh, it's interesting because in Ephesians chapter 4, there is the discussion of unity in that chapter. And you have the platform of unity, as some have called it, and the uh, foundation of unity. There's one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, faith, one baptism, and one Father. Right. Uh, but he goes on to start then talking about the in order to accomplish the working of the church at that point in time, they didn't have scripture yet, and so gifts were given. And he's talking about miraculous gifts from heaven to accomplish that. And we've discussed the miraculous in, in another lesson, but he gave those gifts, some he gave to apostles, some prophets. Uh, some of the evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And then verse 12, I have three times the word for is circled um, in, in my, the way that I have it underlined here. Yeah, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then in, in red I have it highlighted, till we all come to the unity of faith. So there was a timeline for those miraculous that's what the context is. But he talks about the purpose of, of having those things. Right. They didn't have the Word of God yet, but the works were still to be done. And so it's important. And so we begin to see the perfecting of the saints, the work of ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. That is the idea of building up the body of Christ, to prepare the body of Christ for the ultimate work that it was going to be doing, which is saving of mankind, right? right. Salvation of mankind. And so, and in so doing, because you go on in this same uh, couple of verses, he's going to talk about in verse 15, speaking the truth in love that you may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, whom the whole body is fitly joined together. And these are works in which the whole body of Christ can take part in and, 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 and be workers in the kingdom. And they do so, so that it makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love, verse 16. And so we talk about edification and, and we look at it in that way literally building up uh, to encourage one another in the body of Christ. Why? So that we grow in the body of Christ. So we find our place in the body of Christ as well, because it's in that time that as we are growing in knowledge of the Word of God, um we we begin to find our place where we might be bible school teachers or maybe someone's a good song leader maybe someone you know um will be able to preach somewhere down the road or you know maybe somebody will eventually be an elder in the lord's church you know someone right. will serve as a deacon uh many many works will be done by women uh in the lord's body as well because they've been built up and they they know there are different roles, and so they they go forth and do those wonderful works. But that's why we edify one another in the body of Christ. So there's the work of edification. There's also the work of benevolence. And I want to go to Galatians chapter six. In Galatians chapter six. And in this passage, you know, that you will also find the work of, of restoration even in verse one and bearing one another's burdens there in verse 2. But go on down to uh, verse 9. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. So this is what the church is doing. This is the work of the church. In due season we shall reap if we faint not, as we therefore have opportunity let us do good unto all men, as italicized there, but it's unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. And so there is a work of... There's good works, as we would call them. There's benevolent works where someone has a physical need. Maybe they're without food, and and we go and supply them with with food. We go take a a food box to them. We go, uh, we find someone who is in need. You know, they're they're down. uh, Their situation is is financially not well, and they find themselves even maybe they're out of town and they're just in need, and maybe they need a night stay somewhere and to be able to get back on the road the next day, and so we we supply them with a hotel room or something right. like that. You know, th- these are all benevolent works because they're helping physically take care of someone who otherwise couldn't take care of themselves at that point in time. And again, we do so that we might have opportunity right. to be able to teach them spiritually as well. And so, and then Matthew 28 gives us the the marching order for every Christian to to go and to preach the gospel, to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we have the marching orders of the Great Commission to go forth and to preach the gospel, to teach the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. That would be the works of the church, and ultimately, that ultimate work is for the salvation of mankind, for the salvation of our souls. Right.
0: Name one of those that Jesus didn't fulfill while he ministered. He f- fulfilled them all. He did, and, and <laughs> yeah. we're told to imitate him. I, I, I've gotten more and more in, in mm-hmm. my short time being a minister to really fall in love with 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 mm-hmm. as, a, as a really a, a yeah. main verse of the New Testament, a thesis statement mm-hmm. for Christians to imitate Paul or the examples that we have as mm-hmm. they imitate Christ. And what Paul and what so many others are are trying to put out is, here's how Jesus lived, here's how we're supposed to live, so let's do that. And Jesus did every one of those. He evangelized, he was benevolent, and he edified people too. He did all of these things. And we're going to talk about him a little bit more later on into this conversation. But I think the best example that we find is... South Haven Church of Christ, where I grew up, calls their, you know kind of their outreach program faith in action. At least mm-hmm. they did when I went there. It may, may have I changed, believe. but <laughs> I believe it's still that way. And there's a reason it's called faith in action. And what those groups are designed to do, is to showcase those three areas. Mm-hmm. Now, mainly when we talk about church works, you know, in Somerville we call them care groups, and so we showcase the care of, of love and affection for each other as church bodies and members of the congregation do in those groups. And we reorder them every now and then, and we shuffle the deck, so to speak, mm-hmm. and get more people involved with other people. But the best picture of this, the reason why so many churches and I'm sure Maryville, or East Hill, where you're going East I'll get it right in a minute. <laughs> East Side has something similar, I'm sure, to to that. It may not have the same name, but everybody's got some type of catchy hook, if you will. Yeah. The reason for that is found in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. And I want to go there and camp out for just a little yeah. bit because Acts chapter 2 is so important. And it begins in verse 42. Now, this is after people have become members of the Lord's body. We're told the very first thing that they did was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, that fellowship is what we would call a a fellowship meal kind of mentality. of We're fellowshipping together. We're sharing a commonality with each other. We love each other. And it's basically coming about in this regard from a doctrinal standpoint. We are fellowshipping in the Word of God and the idea of breaking of bread and in prayers. But the first thing that they were focused on doing was evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Now, they evangelized to themselves, to each other. That You could say that's edification, but continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine was a requirement, was a necessity. Yeah. And, and you think about this, we don't really put on the first century glasses enough. Who had they ever believed before anything of this nature like mm-hmm. they're doing now? Who had ever come along before and changed the way that they have changed their lifestyle, their religion, their process and practices other than what's happening right now? And so it was, it was absolutely critical to continue in what they were being taught because by all accounts, this is a brand new thing. Right. It's not new, but it was brand new to these people. Mm-hmm. And so they're following after the apostles' doctrine and continuing in that fellowship. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. But here's where we start to talk about the works of the church. Verse 44 Mm -hmm. says, all who believed were together, and they had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need—benevolence. And this is something that I think we don't actually talk about what it must have meant. We think about today, because we've had decades and centuries to put this plan together, of someone knocks on the church door and you've had this happen. I've had it happen. Countless people have had it happen. You hear that knock on the door and someone's out there and they've got a story about something that's going on in their lives. And many times it's true and there are times where it's not. But the question is always, can you help? How can you help? And what we do today is much different from what we did 30 years ago, and it's much different from what they did in the first century church. Probably 30 years ago, there were a lot of checks being written and a lot of handouts being given, and then all of a sudden, certain people started to become wise to that and say, hey, if they'll give a check out for a sob story, I'll make up a sob story. I'll pass through town, and there's actually a a funny story of someone that my dad had met he studied with them, baptized them, and then got a call from another preacher down the road that that same individual had gone and studied and been baptized. He was a he was a career Christian, if you will. You know, he wanted <laughs> right. to be baptized over and over again. And we have this process going on and things that are taking place. But in the first century, they didn't have a treasury to be able to sit there and say, you know what, uh, brother so and so needs to be able to sell some land and he's concerned about the process of everything going on, and there's a closing cost, so we're going to cut him a check. No, how did you pay for stuff? You sold something. Mm -hmm. And to think that these people who, by all accounts, have left their old faith, have come to the faith, and are not just coming over to a new belief system, but a new practice, too, that they're going to sell what they have, possessions Mm -hmm. and goods, and not keep for themselves. They divided that among all as anyone had need. Mm-hmm. And what, Paul, what Peter says in Acts chapter 5 to Ananias and Sapphira was, while it was yours, you could do whatever you want with it. Right. But don't come give it to the church and say you're giving all when we know you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's not what was happening in the first century at the very beginning. Yeah. And then we find, again, this fellowship, this edifying with each other, but it's also this evangelistic thing, and we don't talk about this enough continuing daily with one accord, where? In the temple. Why in the temple? That, that always struck me as odd as a young child growing up and thinking about it. And then I, I heard in preaching school and some other places where I studied that who would be in the temple? Well, practicing Jews, people who believed in the Old Testament law that had some commonality. We believe in God. We believe that there is a, a God, that mm-hmm. there's a Messiah. We don't necessarily believe that it was Jesus, but there's some commonality we can talk about here. And they went to the temple. Every day to worship. And what would naturally happen? Not only would the brethren be edified, but now you've got Mr. So and so over here who has come with his sacrifice looking over and watching these people worshiping and he wants to come over and say, What are y'all doing? What's, go- what's going on here? Bible study. Mm-hmm. And they're fulfilling all three phases some days after right. <laughs> they have become Christians and they were praising God and having favor with all the people. There was not anybody left out. You mentioned Galatians 6, 9, and 10, Mm -hmm. talking about doing good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. That was something that the first century church, the very beginning, had a well understanding of. They did good to all. They had favor with all the people. Nobody sat there and said, look at those people over there. They're, They're a sorry group of people. They were people that were respectable. They were taken care of in the eyes of the community. They were people held in high esteem. All three phases of the works of the church are found right there, and we find the the end result of working properly in the church. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Those who took and put on Christ in baptism were added to the church. And how were they added? because there was evangelism going on there was edification and benevolence and that is the threefold work of the church but i agree we need to focus on that evangelistic <laughs> idea but that's the most important passage really that we can find to talk about this cuz they're all right there right but those aren't the only works of the church sure <laughs> and we have difficult works of the church they're not necessarily showcased in some grand fashion but we are told that there are certain acts of the church that have to be handled And they're not easy. What would you do if someone says, "What are and who handles the difficult works of the church?"
1: Well, and and you know we ask the question, okay. Well, what might be the difficult works Um, to begin with? What about the withdrawal fellowship, right? right? You know, the the marking of those who walk contrary, you know, to the the doctrine. Uh, Those those kind of things. You know, who obviously we need someone who leads in that. That should be the. Eldership leading in that, but it's practiced by the whole church, right? And that's sometimes where where some of this falls through the cracks. Uh, the The practicing of something like the withdrawal fellowship, but long before withdrawal fellowship is is practiced, you know we have we have a conversation, you know, with our Lord and his his disciples about forgiveness and and what's taking place and. Uh, you know, what about someone who who might offend you or, or something like that? And, uh, and in fact, and in, in prior to um, the conversation, you know, where our Lord finally gets to um, about how many times he will get he will make this statement. He says, if you if your brother trespasses against, you know, go tell him this this trespass or this this offense. He offends you, some translations say. Mm-hmm. this is a trespass. this is he sinned against you. Right. He didn't hurt your feelings right. you know, now you could you could take the same uh, principle, and if somebody does hurt your feelings that way. Maybe they don't know they hurt your feelings. You should right. probably go talk to them about it. Right. And you'll probably have a great conversation right. after the fact and, and come away as great friends uh, in, in that. Uh, hopefully, that's, that's the way that it is. Not always, right. but uh, right. you know, that, that, that would obviously be the, the, the same point, principle that you would want to accomplish. But he says if your brother trespasses against you, you go tell him his fault, because again, this is a sinful action that, that happened against you between you and him alone. And if he, if he hears you, you've gained a brother. You know, if if, if this is, uh, you go talk to him, and if it's you know if, if the matter's handled between you, then you have your brother once again, and this is there's nothing standing between you. That that idea of fellowship, is, is still there. It hasn't been taken away. But if he doesn't hear you, then take two or three witnesses. In other words, take one or two more. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So the conversation now, needs to be before witnesses because he didn't he didn't you know, repent. He didn't take care of the issue that, you know, that he sinned against you. And so if he neglects to hear them, because obviously not only are these individuals there to be witnesses, but they're there, they're there also to help with the process, mm-hmm. to help encourage the one who has sinned against this man to, to make things right. And so, well, if he, if he neglects to hear them, because obviously what's implied here is they've said something too. right? And so tell it to the church now. Now it becomes a church matter.
0: And notice there, real quick, doesn't say take it to the elders. Jesus understood yeah. there's going to be congregations that don't have elderships sure. that are going to have to withdraw. Yeah. So the church has to get involved. Right. In his infinite wisdom, he knew, and there's no, yeah. there's no out here, if you will. Right. That's right. right. Just, just
1: because there's no elders right. doesn't mean that you, you can't take care of this. But if you neglect to hear the church... Let him be unto thee as a heathen and a publican, and he says, you know, in this, you know, Peter would ask later, you know, how often shall I, uh, my brother, sin against me and I forgive him till seven times, and obviously, seven times seventy, you know, right. um, you know, only 40, 490 times. Uh, no, the the point being made, you know, for over emphasis here, you know, you forgive him as many times right. as it takes, you know, as he as, as he is repenting. Of those things, then you, in fact, forgive me. You have your brother. And so the, the point, this is a difficult work. And there again, if there is an eldership, they need to be leading in this, obviously, when it gets to this point. If there is a, a, a sinful offense uh, in the congregation that needs to be handled, then this is the format to, to take and to handle those things. We need our elders to lead. If it's a congregation that doesn't have it, then the church will have to take those matters. and, and, and still has a responsibility to do those works. It's sad that
0: many people have neglected to do this very command. And many churches are scared to do this very command. And I I know we've seen situations where churches are doing it, and things get out of control, and and they Mm. get attacked for doing what is biblical, what is right. And notice, it's never said that you stop loving your brother. It's never said that you, you cease to love and you cease to care for them. It's basically said you deliver them up, so to speak, like Paul said to the Corinthians. Right. Deliver his soul to Satan so that the church purge out the leaven. Get, get right. rid of that individual or he's going to wreak havoc on the individual body that is meeting there, that congregation. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of a, you know, back in Civil War times, you, you take a bullet to the leg. If they can't get the bullet out in time, what do they have to do to the leg? Right. We're going to have to cut it off. And it's not that you don't love that leg, and it's not that you don't appreciate all that that leg's ever done for you. Mm. It's, you'll die if we don't take care of this matter now. And many people, because they didn't have the medical advancements and other things, lost limbs during wars like that in that time period because they didn't know any better. They didn't have anything better. And it was the life or the limb. And Jesus basically equates in that passage and through Paul's pen, Mm. it's the church's life or the limb. What do you save? you have to make sure you're saving the body from right. destruction. And when we talk about elders, elders are important. But many people today in churches seem to be content to hide behind the elders. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll let the elders handle that. Okay, the elders weren't mentioned in Matthew 18. We right. mentioned that For... a moment ago. But I want to take you through what the elders' task is. And yeah. first, in, in First Titus, in Titus chapter <laughs> 1, beginning in verse 10, Paul starts to talk to this individual about an elder's responsibility. And it says, there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. And one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. There's the end result. There's the hope. Rebuke them sharply so that they might repent and change and turn, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Here's the problem. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and it's going to sound harsh, but it's it's true. An eldership is only worth its salt if they can weed out the dishonest from the honest. Mm-hmm. And if an eldership is not concerned with that, if an eldership says, hey, we don't really need to, to worry about that, let's not hurt their feelings. You know, they give a lot of money to the congregation. Mm-hmm. Their pocketbook is is very large, and they've helped us. You know, they're part of the reason we can afford two preachers. No, God's part of the reason you can afford two (laughs) preachers. And God will bless your congregation for doing the right thing versus caving and doing the wrong thing. Mega-churches exist not because they're faithful to God, but because Satan has no problem pumping money into something that won't get anybody to heaven. And we have to understand an eldership is responsible. One of the works of the church is to have godly leaders that are able to look for the wolf and i made a statement to somebody once years ago we were meeting with this individual and he was a divisive brother and i told this individual i said i'm not an elder but i can look for a wolf and i can point one out when i see one to the eldership and that's what i intend to do tonight you are divisive you are not behaving properly you are not living correctly and this eldership is going to be made aware of that and there is nothing wrong with doing that those are unpleasant things to do that's not a it's not a pleasant side of the church but hey but it's still part of the work of the church. The work of the
1: church is, mm-hmm. you know, not always an easy one. I'd like to go back and, and point out in verse 13 there from Titus 1, um, that phrase, that they may be sound in the faith. Mm-hmm. This is the reason, just like you talk about the leg a moment ago, you know, someone shot in the leg and, right. they, and they, you know, they might lose the leg, you know, if they can't stop, they can't get the bullet out, stop the infection and all that, they may lose the leg. Um, so they save the life. Right. And And that was the point of this. This is literally for the health Mm -hmm. of those in the faith, right? those who are continuing to follow the faith. That's right. So the rest of the church. That's right. And so this is the lifeline. And so we need elders to to stand up and do those works as well. They're difficult works in the Lord's body.
0: But with God on our side, we can get through it. Sure. And I think that's something we're overlooking now is I love elderships that get up and say things along the lines of, we don't have the money to do such and such. But we're going to do it and trust that God's going to provide the money. (laughs) Or we don't have the resources to do such and such. But we're going to do this program because it's a good program and we're going to do this. And I am thankful for godly elders who will stand before the congregation and say, Brothers, this family, this individual is lost and in sin. We have followed the biblical pattern, we have followed the plan, and they are not returning to God. And even God Himself in Amos chapter 4 had a turning point where he says, prepare to meet your God, yeah. okay? I've tried everything I'm gonna try. You've not returned unto me, get ready. Now, as we kind of shift to the more positive side, <laughs> this is something difficult, but what what can be done, what would you do if someone says, hey, I, I'm burnt out? What yeah. can be done to rejuvenate the workers in the church?
1: Burnout is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it happens, it happens to preachers, it happens to workers in the church. So it's a very real issue that comes along. Uh, Not everyone can do all things all the time. Right. And and that's something that we need to be aware of and realize. Not everyone can do all things all the time. With that being said, that's why we teach. That's why we encourage others to join in the work, and for some new ones to be trained in the work, so that there can be you know kind of a you know all right we got second string coming in right. not second string is less value but we've got a new group coming in right. you know, they're fresh they're ready to 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 go play ball right now so we're going to let them in and and do the work you know and and you can take a rest right. you, can, you can sit you know sit back in in a class and enjoy you know I, i've seen teachers that have taught for years and years and years they love to teach they would wouldn't want to stop teaching. Right. But it's probably best for them to occasionally go sit in a Bible class themselves. Right. You know, and, and not be in there quarter after quarter, Sunday after Wednesday after Wednesday. You know, I'm over and over and over. They need to take a break. They need to go sit into a bible in a Bible class and and, and, and get some rejuvenation from the right. Word of God, you know.
0: Right. So. We try at at Somerville to, to give a quarter off. You know, quarter on, quarter off. And on Sunday mornings, those teachers can go to a Bible class and Wednesday evenings are usually kind of planning for the next class that they'll teach, mm-hmm. but they're not teaching. And that seemed to work before the pandemic hit. Sure. And now, of course, we're going to have to figure out how we're getting everything back to <laughs> right. normal. But I think that fellowship is important. Yeah. You know, let, let's let make sure that we have just as much opportunity to enjoy each other's company as it is to, to focus on the work. Yeah. You know, um, my, my job is not an easy one. It's not a you know a small one. And every now and then, i got to take a vacation. Same sure. with you. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. It's so that I can rejuvenate and get back to the work. The same should be true with Christians, because if you think about it, that's our career. For the rest mm-hmm. of our lives, we're Christians, and we're going right. to need opportunities to say, let's just get together and enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Let's just get together and have a respite from, from focusing on the next project and the next this and the next that. And there's nothing wrong from withdrawing yourself from a time from something. Not forever. Jesus himself, Luke five sixteen, often mm-hmm. were given that supplied word, but he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed and took himself away from people to rejuvenate and get back to the work. And right. we can do the same things in order to be able to do the work of the church properly and effectively.